0: You guys very very excited for today's call um i actually got the privilege of coaching uh jr myself so jonathan roberts um, really excited for you guys to hear his story one of the most genuine people that i've ever met in my entire life and uh and really cool to kind of to see their trajectory that he's had um since he started here at fairway and, and where he is today and uh, you guys are going to be pretty amazed. It's uh, it's a really cool story. So, looking forward to it. I'm going to toss it over to you, Kathy, uh, for the interview, and and uh, um, I'm I'm going to be over here taking notes.
1: Ah, uh, well, I sure do appreciate it, Jonathan. Thanks so much for taking the time to share with us. It really is a great Absolutely. story. Um, can you go ahead and start by sharing with us what your numbers looked like? And we had a conversation on comparison and numbers, but just to, for consistency's sake, what your numbers looked like last year versus year-to-date purchase versus refi, and then kind of your perspective on all that.
2: Yeah, so I'm a pretty consistent producer. Um, I don't really go outside my box much. I wear a lot of different hats, so my production is pretty steady. Uh, Last year did 178 units for 41 million with an 88% purchase in a very high refi year, of course. Uh, The the year prior to that was dead on within like percentages, like less than half of a percent in both units and volume. This year, also tracking, we're at 98 units here today, um, or at least through June for 26.9 million with 88% purchase, 12% refi.
1: And, and of that 12% refi, I think you shared that some of that was construction to perm. I think you said you had actually one refi, right? <laughs> yeah, I think
2: it's actually like one real refinance, um, which I mean, I, that's pretty much everybody on the, on the table right now. But, uh, you know, in Texas, some of the ways we have to do uh, construction of perm loans falls under the refi world. So that's why it looks like I've got 12% refi, but it's really not that much.
1: Excellent. And, and I loved your story. If you can give us a little bit of a backstory of, of where what you did before you got to Fairway that makes you so appreciative of our environment. Um, what was it like in the broker world?
2: Yeah, so I got in direct lending back in 05, 06 uh, in the subprime world. Uh, so if anybody, most of you guys may not know what that is, but it was, you know, uh, not a great time in the industry. I got in literally right before the crash hit. Um, so I went from that into the broker world. And then, then again, back into direct money with a large bank. And essentially what you lose in, in all of those things was, what I was losing was the customer experience. If you want to be very transactional, I don't fault anybody who wants to be in the broker world, or I don't fault anybody that wants to work for a large bank. Transactions are perfect for them. What they're not great with is building relationships. With everyone on this call, you're at Fairway because you want to build relationships. Um, now, I didn't know what Fairway was about when I came over back in 2015. But what I did know when I was working at, <clears throat> um, I don't want to name it, but it was it was a, a large bank and, and essentially was, I was submitting close to 600 to 700 loans a year. And I was only closing 50% of them. <laughs> So that means I was having really difficult conversations with about 300 to 350 people a year, telling them, I can't help you, but I'm sure you can go get a mortgage somewhere else, which then brings me here in 2015, meeting Matt Mark Wood, getting a conversation with Jake uh, and a few other players on the executive team, bringing you to a place where everyone says yes well before they say no I love and that. that's and I- the team you want to be.
0: Hey guys, I want to jump in real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, I see Jake in the house. I want to give him an opportunity to, to jump in and, and, uh, talk to all
3: the igniters.
1: Yeah. Morning
3: Jake. Hey. Oh, I didn't know when you're so old, you don't hear so well. Uh, <laughs> not you brother Ray. Sorry. Uh, Jonathan, this is great. I mean, this, it's always about the work, right. And it's about the disciplines and the consistencies It takes a lot of people to get loan to close on time. And, uh, To me, what you folks are creating here, what has been created, what will continue to be created is part of the the secret sauce here. You can't just wave a wand and create this. It's about the people. And I know there's been a lot of stuff in the last week or so, but you know, it doesn't really change anything of the work that we have to do. We focus on helping and serving, helping and serving. It's kind of like a basketball game. The practice before the game really doesn't mean much because when the game starts, everything changes. We just got to keep playing. Keep having fun, keep enjoying what we do and keep listening to the Jonathans of the world that that are are having fun with this. and you can feel the energy as Kathy's asking questions. And to me, that's what it's about. So it's like, stop all this stuff and just keep having some fun. So I apologize yesterday that I was kind of a distraction, but I have a former friend. Her name is Louise Saxton. And she's a former friend because I didn't want anybody to know it was a birthday yesterday. I really didn't. (laughs) But when she sent it to everybody, what are you going to do? So long story short, let's just keep rolling, having some fun. Had a chance to talk to Tim Moore's group yesterday. Hopefully that was helpful, Tim. Don't know if it was, but hopefully it was. And, uh, you know, there's so many opportunities here. I mean, I keep I keep going back to this. And I think you have to keep this in mind as, as an industry. We did $72 billion last year as a company. That was 1.4%. Cross-country and another company in North Carolina combined Did not do, I mean, the point is, all three companies combined, maybe did two and a half percent of all the loans in the United States. There's plenty of business out there, folks. You just got to focus on the the, the actions that the coaches encourage you to do. Listen to the Steve Walkers, listen to Peter Beelins, listen to the Austin Lars, listen to the Gary's and just do the work. When I see what Mike Zeely does in Madison, with that market, I see how good Mike's doing. It's, it's just fun to watch because because you know Mike's got a great heart and people buy your heart they, they buy that you care William Dawes same thing I mean there's so many great people in this call uh Swaholi, same thing and then before I, I better stop talking so piss have plenty of time to tell his end Kathy, I'm out I' I'll, I'll stop <laughs> talking Gong show just hit uh thank you <laughs> for the opportunity uh happy birthday jake thanks
0: uh, birthday boy yeah happy birthday and you did a great lead-in for us uh uh mikey z mike Zilly is actually our guest next thursday so he doesn't know sure that yet that but now the cat's thursday.
1: out of the bag mike so when you get my yeah. call just be sure to take it okay that, that's
0: news to me but let's do it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we made the marquee. you
0: can't say no now
1: week after next <laughs> all right very good all right jonathan so kind of getting back to where we were at you talked about how, in your role, not not only do you have your role as a producer, you've done amazing numbers, but you also have a role whereby you 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 identify and manage people who are also successful in this industry. And you had some things that you called out as being the sort of the the hallmarks of an ideal teammate, the things you look for that that you can identify in people that will be to some degree a very good indicator of their success. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like cuz that's sort of the model that everyone should be looking toward growing into if they aren't there naturally. So what are those things you look for?
2: Yeah, so you know, obviously we understood that the data from 2020 and 2021 is just their outliers so we need to kind of ignore them in a certain extent. It's like they didn't exist, okay? And that's kind of the way we we started looking at it was because if we looked at this simply because of numbers and you and we've all made and if you've been in management for any period of time, we've all made bad hiring decisions based on, hey, their numbers look good. Okay. We've all done it. And so what we realized was we just do such a great job building people up. And Matt and Mark hate when I say this, but I say I can teach a monkey how to do a mortgage. What I can't teach you how to do is be a good person. Okay. So we have our hiring is, is person-centric, not numbers. We don't care if you have production. We don't care where you come from. But there's a few things that we realize that that are some hallmarks of somebody. We look for somebody with a competitive spirit. So they played sports at some point or they're competitive in something that they did or do. We look for customer service and actually not in regards to like, you're in a call center and you can withstand a barrage of customer service, but more of like, you did some retail work, and you understand that people aren't always great. And then the other part was we we love hiring teachers, people who have an education background, because A, you can deal with kids, which are little monsters within themselves, but then you get to deal with their parents, which unfortunately aren't much better half the time. My wife is a teacher. She gets to tell me that all the time. So those three types of people tend to do really well inside of our organization, and we've built support around essentially non-established people, non-established LOs in non-established markets that can still be really successful.
1: I love hearing that. And then you created uh, what we we might call a recipe of success. So when you bring those people in, you sort of give them an expectation of what it's going to look like. And you always tell them on day one, you'll probably get your first loan, right? Isn't that how it works?
2: Always. I tell them immediately (laughs) you're going to be a six-figure earner. (laughs) And if you're not making you know, bank bro by month one, <laughs> then you need to quit, okay? So what I, what I kind of look like is... Our job is to set expectations, not only with our clients, not only with our realtors, but also with our teammates. And what I think when you see 2020 and 2021, it was like, you open your door and someone like throws a mortgage at you. And it was like, I just got hit in the face with a jumbo. Like, that's awesome. That's just not how it's ever been. Nor is it going to be what it's like like in, in the future. So, essentially, what we had to do and what we we are doing now is looking back to what 2019 was like, as scary as is. And it's not so much that I'm only looking behind me. I'm more looking at it like when I do when I drive a car. I'm paying attention to what's behind me because I look in my rearview mirror, but I'm not focused on my rearview mirror. If that makes sense, I'm looking at I'm looking behind for reference. Okay, so. In 2000, So what we're looking for is, guys, it's going to be hard work. There's going to be days where all you got told was no. But Alex Eiler, who's another coach inside of Ignite, he came up with a really great way of setting some expectations on what a win is. Because when you're getting told no a lot, it's really discouraging. If you read fanatical prospecting, that can put you in a spiral of depression and building a hole, and then you're never going to get out of it. So what we want to do is set an expectation of what a win is. So Alex Eiler talks about buckets, is people fall into three buckets. Either they know you, they love you, they're loyal, they're going to send you everything. Those are great buckets to have. You want those. Then there's a bucket in the middle that's they know who you are. They've probably never done business with you. They don't really know of you, but they know who you are. And then there's bucket number one is they don't know who you are, don't know what you do, don't know what you stand for. So the win is coming from bucket number one, where they don't know who you are, what you do to bucket number two, knowing who you are, but not necessarily saying, I'm going to send you a lead today. But what it is, is a reference for when I call you back in 30 days, now you're going to know who I am. And then my job is to move you from bucket number two to bucket number three. So it's proper expectation of your win is moving someone from bucket to bucket, not thinking you can skip a bucket. So it's that proper expectation setting, which is essentially what we had to do in 19, where it is a work. It's going to be 12 months before you feel like you're successful. It's going to be 18 months before you feel like you're really getting it. Uh, and then you could be at me at 17 years and feel like you're still learning every day. So there's really not a, an end goal in this. This is a very infinite game work.
1: And I think your focus of the control, the controllables, right? So we tend to focus on what what they would say in fanatical prospecting. The lag activity was the loan in your pipeline.
3: The Mm -hmm. only thing
1: you control are those lead activities. And you're you're pretty specific about what those are for you. So what are some of the things that you do specifically around processes that Mm -hmm. allow you to to really um, dig in and, and utilize your discipline and hard work to get the results you want?
2: So there's three things that that I've done and it's, it's a little bit of time blocking, but I'm not super rigid with that. I know people love time blocking. That's, that's just not for me. I like to be a little more malleable in my day just because of the different hats that I wear. But there are three things that got me to where I am now and is going to continue to make me go where I'm wanting to move. The first thing I do, which is every Tuesday, every buyer, seller, Listing agent, buyer's agent, and title company get a call from me
1: on every single day. Every Tuesday. I so want you guys to listen on one thing he said that I think was really interesting. Buyer and seller. How many of you are yeah. calling the seller with an update? Very interesting.
2: Now, the reason why I added this was I wanted to provide value to a listing agent, right? It's Sometimes it's kind of hard to do that other than closing on time. So I was like, well, why don't I take the hard part out of their life, which is giving an update to a seller? Well, then I don't want to make that call in vain. I want to use it for something. So I ask them, do you know anybody that could use my service? If you're happy with what you're seeing, then is there an opportunity for me to serve you or do you know someone that needs my help? So every one of those calls is, is yes, an update call, but really it's a prospecting call. Each one of them, I'm asking the same thing every time. Now, it's easy for me to do that because it's a very warm handoff. I have something to give them. It's reciprocity, a little bit easier. So I use that Tuesday as as prospecting for those five different people I'm calling on every loan. So when you're doing 20, 30, 40 loans a month, you're going to spend a few hours doing that. But I probably get five to 10 actual closed extra deals a year because I spent the time making that extra phone call, which doesn't seem like a whole lot. But for me, that's a big deal. Now, the uh, the next two things I do are more um, updates. And again, we're using it to prospect. Every Thursday, every loan that's in our pipeline gets an update on where we stand before the weekend ends. Inside of that says, hey, if you reference this comment, you're going to get $100 off your closing cost for your next client. Again, we premium price it, but it's $100 off it. Again, I'm going to give you something in exchange for what I'm going to ask from you. And The last thing on Fridays, and this is, where I started to learn how to protect my weekends a little bit. And again, this took me 15 years to get here. So you guys who are new, I recommend just be prepared to work on weekends. I'm sorry, that's just how it is a little bit. But I wanted to start protecting my weekends as my kids got older. So I started doing Friday update at the end of the day between 12 and four. I send out a new pre-approval letter with updated numbers with the new rates. So then the client knows as they go into Saturday, Sunday, They're not going to call me and say, hey, am I approved at this number? They already know that. Their agent already knows that. They can update their pre-approval letter through Fairway now. Like, I'm I'm clearing my space for the weekends and then using those as, as, as exceptions as opposed to always being on call on Saturdays. So those are my three major activities that I do on a weekly basis.
1: And then you talked a little bit about some of the opportunities you use for face-to-face interactions. So wh- mm. what does that look like for you? How do you set up those opportunities?
2: <clears throat> so inside of our transaction from, from tip to tail, we've got three main points of where normally we would go, okay, go fill out your application. That's great. And then we kind of do an initial call and that's kind of it. Well, what we did was we added a Zoom requirement. Either you're going to come to my office or you're going to meet in Zoom to go over your initial closing disclosure, as well, your loan approval, and then your initial consult. So we've added those spots, not only so they know face to face with me, because again, I have a lot of faith in like, when I get belly to belly with someone, they're not going anywhere, because I'm going to provide value, they're going to see that, right? And they're not going to want to go through this process again. And who wants to make me sad, right? I don't look good crying. Okay, so My thing was, I want to provide that service that we lost in 2020 and 2021, where it was just, we're drinking out of a fire hose. And I want to bring the the life and the culture back to even our mundaneest task. And so this was what we added. So those three, so what we've learned from that is it eliminates the questions at closing so that closing is always a 10. Having that initial closing disclosure call is much more important than the final closing disclosure call because I've done them both. The initial was the one where all the questions were. The final, they were already frustrated that they didn't have the numbers. So that was a big one for us. Those those three touch points added.
1: And then how do you approach your closings? Do do you just, now that you've explained it on the Zoom call, they're on their own at closing or what does that look like?
2: No, you don't have have an excuse. You need to go to closing. Um, Guys, and that's not like a... That's not a new thing. Nothing that I've said on this call is new. You're going to see this. If you've read Fanatical Prospecting, you've been inside of coaching for any period of time. I I love our coaches, but none of our coaches have this secret sauce. It's hard work. You just got to do the work. And we all are here because we want to do that work or we have done that work. And the best part is we're not asking you to do anything that we haven't done before or currently do now.
1: Sorry about that. So, so very good. So just to kind of reiterate what what we came, what we kind of came up with, there's this recipe of success. Clearly a huge level of discipline, hard work. You talked about when you started, 15-hour days Day in and day out, right? So you mm-hmm. earned the opportunity to sort of frame your weekends. But if you're new at this, just go into it with the absolute sure. expectation you're working long days, day in and day out, to get to where you want to go. You 15 also years at have-
2: 15 hours a day. That's it. Now now I'm at year 17. I haven't worked 15 hours a day every day for 15 for 15 years anymore. Thankfully, I've got a great team behind me that really takes a lot off my shoulders. But guys, it's 15 hours a day for 15 years is what it was like.
1: And I love that transparency. And the other thing that you talked about was being accountable about your time. There's a tool you utilize around your time Mm -hmm. that you found real beneficial. Can you share that with us as we wrap up?
2: Yeah. So Time Defender is one that's inside of all your Ignite workbooks. And I was never a big fan of this, but when you really start trying to measure your time, right, you want to measure and be better at what you're doing because time is the only thing I can't create more of. We all have the same amount in a day. And so I needed to know what activities I was doing that was actually creating business for me. So if you have not or don't track your time, I recommend doing it. So we use Time Defender. I call it time auditing because I'm using that data to know, okay, I need to spend less time doing this and more time doing this because I'm not getting any green activities out of xyz so it looks like steve uh, walker actually just shared it uh man if you guys do not use this i recommend you use it at least for a week you're going to realize you spend too much time on instagram or tiktok or facebook i'll tell you that
1: very good i appreciate it so much um there were a couple questions that i was hoping you might be willing to address absolutely Uh, um so one of the questions was if if you could how many pre-approvals are you are you doing every Friday when you're when you're sending out that up update? And are you just doing the most recent? How far back do you go?
2: Uh we do everybody that's in that is shopping. Because remember, we know exactly who's shopping where they have because we've talked to them every week for the past week, six weeks, six months, however long it takes them to find a house. So we're constantly talking to these guys. It's not a there's no time limit because we understand some people take a long time to find a house. Um, so right now we're doing, uh, I think last week was 25 I sent out on that Friday, um, three of them went under contract. And so now it's the law of replacement. Now I got to make sure I replace those three. Okay. Now getting those three to pre-approval, I got to know my numbers, which again, is takes me about 70% of my credit apps to get. So I know I've got to probably pull in about another eight apps to get three more pre-approvals from me.
1: And then what's your sequence on that consultation call you talked about? Do you do that consultation call uh, at the time they complete an application, when you're at the point of issuing pre-approval, when they're in contract? Can you kind of share the sequence on that?
2: Yeah. Um, I think it's more in in regards to once I'm issuing pre-approval. Because now we're talking about they've already applied. I've already got their documents. And now I know when I talk to them on the phone, because I also include their agent on all of my face-to-face calls with the borrower other than like if I'm going over their true financials, if I'm going over the ICD, loan app approval, whatever I'm going through, I'm inviting the agent. I want the agent there. The agent sent them to me. They're part of my team and I'm not talking about anything that they can't be privy to. So I'm talking at that, doing that initial consult after they've applied, after I've got docs and can make a decision And I'm going over, this what you're approved for. This is what the rates look like. Obviously that there, you know, there's some volatility there and that will update you every week on what that rate looks like.
1: Right. And then relative to the amount of time you spend generating business, the thing I like about you is there's an overlap, right? You don't have a distinction between doing your update calls and prospecting. As you're prospecting yeah. as you're doing your update calls, right? So part, yeah. part and parcel of it, it's all there's this overlap, which is great if you can do two things at one time. But just ballpark, how much time do you think you spend every week prospecting?
2: Um, if you're new to the industry, you should be doing 90%. Once you get a little established, I think most LOs tell you they want to do 70-80%. We probably are more 50-50. I think right now my team is probably 50-50, and I would prefer that be a little bit higher. You know, if your phone's not ringing, pick it up. And if your phone is ringing, pick it up. It's like you should always be doing something that's generating your business. Because, again, you're very independent when you work for Fairway. It's very entrepreneurial. It's your business. It is not your manager's business. It is your business. Own it.